it is. Aries and Andy, you and the jerk. You know it's time to get this work. The real raw, gutter, uncut cocaine. No political corrections. Always sleep. Fuck being awoke. We discuss politics and jokes. We lick. There's levels to this shit. Before you were sucking on your mama's tits. Airy Spears don't give a fuck. We talk about race a lot. Racism. Sexism. Much love to my loyal bitch bag holders. Rollers, clip loaders. We got them in the folders. The whole world on our shoulders. Spears and Steinberg. Yeah! Run up and get touched up. Suicide. <laughs> and all of y'all know my style. you do look so much better yeah baby i mean we in indianapolis i i i i had a falling out with my barber uh, so, you know, I told the story how I went and got my hair cut by a guy in L.A. He traumatized me. But I was walking around. So here's what happened. Uh, a couple things before we get to the meat and potatoes. Um, Andy and I are here in Indianapolis, which, of course, I said for the second time, I wanted to treat him to the best steakhouse in Indianapolis called uh, St. Elmo's. Um, but Andy's been a little sick. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up going by myself because I wasn't going to pass up this opportunity. It's a great steakhouse. One of the specialties is the uh, the shrimp cocktail with the horseradish sauce that'll blow the back of your fucking brains out. <laughs> if you got sinuses, if you got any kind of stuffiness, allergies, this should have blown a hole in the back of your head. Uh, it's like when you bite it, it's like Tony Montana is inside your mouth with the gun pointed towards the back of your throat. Say hello to my little friend. And <laughs> bow, back of your head blows out. This shit is strong. So, I, And I love shrimp. So uh, I went by myself, sat at the bar, uh, made, made a moment of it. And then as I was walking back to my hotel, our hotel, um, the comedy club, I forgot, is connected to the mall. So I was like, oh, shit, that's right. The mall is right here. Uh, and I wanted to get some new Tim's because my shits was starting to look dirty. Um, so my goal was to just get some new Tim's uh, and that was it. But then I walked in the mall, I saw the lid, so I copped me a new Yankee. Now I mean, who could it be with that new blue Yankee on? Who but me? Um, went and got me the uh, Tim's from the Arabs, picked up a nice New York jacket, this hoodie. And then as I was leaving, I saw the barbershop. Now I seen two Mexicans uh, in there cutting some ne some Negros. Uh, and I'm looking, and I'm like, all right, they look like they know what they're doing, so I'm going to get my hair cut by a Mexican. And then in walks this brother, and I'm like, look at the nigga. These Mexicans working. This nigga late. Come to find out, he's the owner of the barbershop, so he can do whatever the fuck he wants. So he goes, Mr. Spears, it's an honor to have you in my shop. Come this way. So I was like, look, man, I only want to get my beard tapered, lined up, take some of the hair down. Uh, cause you know, that's all I want. So I go take my hat off and he goes, are you sure you don't want a haircut? And I really do. But then I told him my trauma story and he goes, tell me what you want. I said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want to keep the top. Don't take nothing down. 
And then he pulls out his phone and starts showing me pictures. So you want this type of fade with the blend in, or you want this, or you want that? I said, I'm going to trust this nigga. Man, when he got done, Andy, look at me, nigga. I'm so pretty. I was the greatest. I'm so pretty. I've never been knocked, knocked out. I've been knocked down. I beat Chef's Wallace from Cuba. I son Les Fraser. I'm pretty. Mm, pretty, nigga. So look at this shit, dog. So you fl- you're going to fly to Indianapolis now to get your hair cut? No, and that's the sad part. I told him, dude, I, this was like a quickie. You know, now I got to go back to L.A. and start over, which I'm scared to do. You'll find someone in L.A. Oh, come sit in my chair, cuz. <laughs> get out your court. Get my chair. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Now, let's flash forward to you. Uh, Andy's sick. You're sick, man, right? I'm feeling, I feel good today. I, I finally, last night, I, I think I got over it, but I needed rest. You thought it was you uh, ate something? You said you might have been poisoned? Yeah, I think I got some food poisoning. Mm. Uh, I ate at, uh, I ate at one of my favorite places to eat that's on the road that I can always count on. And I counted on it, and it let me down. Jimmy John's! I'm not going to say it was Jimmy John's. It could have been, though. But, it, like, sometimes... You ate some bad rhino-hunted meat. Yeah, sometimes it's the uh, lettuce. You can get E. coli in it. Whatever it is, it fucked me up. So I've been si- I was sick for, like, two a day and a half. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to go get some Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> and I'm going to drink some of that, and that's going to set me right. So I, I had it, and it, it, it made me feel a little bit better. And I could... I felt like I, I didn't eat for uh, over 24 hours, almost th- like 32 hours. I hadn't ate anything. And then I was I'm going to have a little, I'm going to have some hot tea because the Pepto made me feel a little bit better. And I'll have some uh, ginger ale. And it started to make me feel a little bit better. And then all of a sudden I wasn't feeling so good. I said, I'm going to hit another hit. This fucking Pepto-Bismol. Man, long story short is all of a sudden it did. It, 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 whatever it was that was in me, I, I just started throwing up everything. At the show while you were on Oh, you were stage. throwing up? Yeah, man. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. I knew you was throwing up out the booty, but I didn't know you was throwing up out the mouth, too. Yeah, man. Uh, I was throwing up. I got real sick. And then uh, as soon as it was all over, I felt better. I felt so. It was just whatever my body wouldn't take it, didn't know what to do with it. And it just right. sat there. So <clears> finally, <throat> I started to feel better. And then uh, last night, I saw you after the show was over. And I just, I, I said, I'm out. That yeah. was like the quickest I was ever probably finished. Yeah. I just threw my threw the stuff up there and then I left. Yeah. And uh, I was in bed and today I started to feel better, but I hadn't ate. So I was like, I'm going to go eat. So I went over to this joint that we saw when we first got here, this Tupelo Honey breakfast place. All I wanted, I said, I'm, I, I, talk, I called Tara and I was talking to Tara and I said, I think I just going to get something light, like a waffle, like a, you know, Belgian waffle, something mm-hmm. light, eat a little bit of it and see how it does and some hot tea. And I went over there. The worst fucking food. It just wasn't good food. I, I mean, it, these look like these little waffles look like they came in a box, but maybe they made them there. But might as well got them from the box because they tasted just as bad. I can almost hear the weakness in your speech. Yeah, it is. It's weak. <laughs> and then, so I get this little, and then they put blueberries. It said blueberry compote. I thought it was going to be some like blueberry. It was all over it. it just It was just awful. And then I, I the tea was good. And, and then I waited, and I'm sitting at the bar for like an hour. And this, yeah. this, this chick that was taking care, she finally comes back. And I, I take my credit card out, and I put it on top of my wallet. And I've been sitting and waiting. And I could say something, but I'm, you know, I'm not like in a hurry. But I'm, finally, she comes by, and she goes, she goes, hey, uh, anybody uh, check you out yet? I go, no. She goes, okay, I'll be right back. So I was like, fine. She goes over, and she goes to the other end of the bar. She starts talking for I don't know how long to like mm-hmm. her friends. 
And finally, the other girl at the bar comes by and she goes, hey, she sees notice in my car. She goes, have you been checking out? And I go, no. And I'm starting to get pissed, too. I'm telling you. Mm. So she, so I get all, I, I, I lose my shit a little bit. I get the fuck out of there. And I just looked at you when you came in here and I go, this has been, listen, I don't, I'm not shitting on Indianapolis, but I've never been like the biggest fan. Of Indianapolis. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a city. It's a city. I, I like the city. I love the, I've said this before. I love the area we're at. Everything is there. Last night was a madhouse because you had the Pacers playing, the Colts playing, Ari Spears playing. So downtown was popping. Um, you know, again, St. Elmo's is cool. They got the motherfucking, what's the name of the spot? The, 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 the deep dish pizza from Chicago here. Uh, uh, what's that place in Chicago? Oh, Giordello's. They got Giordello's down the street. The mall. I like it. Um, Dude, I'm not basing my what, city what, on the mall. No, no, no. I'm not either. But I'm saying as a collective, I don't mind it. What I do mind is as a, as a, as a, as a comedy city, they're not the savviest, Indiana. And I attribute that to just being a little bit of the Midwest. Uh, and, and let me not go all the way with that because, nigga, Chicago Schomburg rocks. And I don't really, I, and believe me, I'm not throwing shit on the city either. I'm just saying, like, we were just in D.C. And we know how that is. Yeah, but D.C. is a whole other animal. I know, but it, it, the whole East Coast, the Eastern Seaboard, quick, savvy, witty, well-to-do. You know what I mean? It, it's almost like D.C. is the Cosby show. Indianapolis is the Cosby show in pieces, but more good times. I was going to say Roseanne, but yeah, good times. Yeah, I I mean, I'm just saying that when it comes to comedy quickness and the ability to intercept and digest and react to comedy, great intellectual comedy, give me a couple of steps to his spider. The step is off. <laughs> they love you <laughs> they, out here, though. They do, and I love them. I'm just saying they're a step, just a beat slow. I'm not mad at the city. It's just not. It, it's it's not a city. It's a city, but it's it's just different. I I think I'm just mad because I got sick and I didn't feel good, and I really want to go to St. Elmo's. I do like that steak place. It's a great steak yeah. place, and it just hasn't really worked out. I just had not had a good weekend out here at all. I not had fun. So uh, shows I thought were okay. Uh, Thursday, uh, what's funny, and I think you'll agree with this, Thursday was the best show so far. We have Sunday tonight. Uh, da, 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 da. I would say, I would say Thursday and last night's second show was kind of. I know you like last night's second show. They made you mad still too, but you, I know. Yeah, I, I just, there was just there was more people, so it was. You know, I love my people, Andy, and, and this is also going to bleed into heavily into the Cat Williams thing, but I don't want to go there yet. Uh, oh, God. I love my people, Andy. But the older I get and the deeper I get into this comedy game, my patience for niggas is running short, man. Niggas, I love black people. I hate niggas. And I don't want to say I hate because I don't. I'm just quoting Chris Rock's joke. But I've said this a million times. Niggas come with a certain mentality, a certain behavior. And I love niggas. I do. But my, my mood, dude, my patience is wearing thin sometimes. I, I, it just, it wears thin, man. Like, just step up a little bit. Step your, your behavior up, your mindset. I told you, this was the same place where the black chick from last year 
wealth in my city. And I hate that shit, that mentality. But I don't want to go down that road. I want to keep things nice and fluffy. Um, first thing I said to Andy when we got in town, because uh, we rode, rode, rode from the airport together in the car, because we came in around the same time. I said, dude, I had a dream. <laughs> I had these weird dreams sometimes. I had a dream uh, the other night that Larry, I was in French Lake, Indiana, and Larry Bird and I were uh, eating barbecue. Well, I was eating barbecue. He was outside the window watching me. Strange, right? Yeah, that's strange. Like, I had a hot link. I had uh, some brisket. And I had a sauce. Uh, and I had some uh, beef ribs. And I was at the table. I'm eating. I got sauce all over my fingers. And I just looked over. And Larry was just staring at me through the window. But those are what dreams are. They're weird shit. That's why, again, the Sopranos, the dream sequences. It was weird because it's like that's what a dream is. It, it just it's it's weird, abstract shit that makes no fucking sense. Well, I, I I'm glad you said Sopranos and the dreams because HBO got you know Max has the um, Sopranos and yeah. HBO has been running. Yeah, dude, those, those first those first couple of seasons. It's, I, I'm not. Don't you do that? No, I'm going to say that the, the Sopranos. I don't know that I enjoyed it all the way to the end. As much as you did. But the first few seasons, man, it's unbeatable. Oh, I thought you were going to say something negative. No, it's unbeatable, man. I, I was I was going to say, okay, the first two seasons, I don't want to use that. I would, not, I would not dare use the word slow. Because that's how I felt about Game of Thrones, which is why I bailed. Slow's not the right word, but its intensity to me in The Sopranos really started to hit. By season three. But those first two seasons, they're building up everything. You, you're getting a little bit of... I mean, uh, Christopher's friend gets popped in the bathtub. Yeah, so the, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's yeah. It, it's building. It's building. I mean, right. it's... Uh, Incidentally, somebody wrote me an email. and re- a, a, a dude wrote an email detailing <clears throat> why he thought The Sopranos was good, but not as good as I thought. Ooh, motherfucker. I can't wait to get to you, you son of a bitch. Yeah, but no, I thought it was really good. I'm glad I watched it again. I'm gonna watch it again. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get back home. Uh, I'm not feeling great. So I'm gonna recoup in front of the TV and some HBO. I feel like halfway through this podcast, this is gonna be like the Jordan flu game. I gotta put my arms around him. <laughs> Actually, I'm feeling a lot better today, but I my energy. Dude, I can hear it in your voice. It's, it's not there. My energy's down. I really got beat up. I'm not unhappy, but I'm not happy. You know what I mean? There's nothing to be unhappy about. I just wasn't well. You know what I noticed, too? In the first two seasons of Sopranos, James Gandolfini's voice is different yeah, from the little... rest of the seasons. It's a little deeper. It's not so much with a, with a fucking ass in the guys. It, it's, it's, I can't even do it, but it's, you know, what he's got to talk. It's different. It's different. But he also got heavier as it went along. Yeah. And here's the, here's the thing about Hollywood that I'm gonna, I was going to, I, I said this to someone the other day. <clears throat> uh, I think I got fat. I, I started gaining a lot more weight on the road with you. And it's because as a comic, you can be as fat as you want. Fat's funny. You know, if it be, be yeah, a little stereo- stereotypically you, funny. Yeah, you could be funny. Uh, as he became more of that character, I, I think that was some of his downfall, is that he indulged as Tony indulged, yeah, yeah. and he he gained weight, and it fit the character, and everybody was fine with it. Yeah, I didn't know he was doing blow. 
Yeah. yeah, he was eating, doing blow, drinking, indulging, indulging. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's that's a lot of it, man. I, 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 <clears throat> this this business, this business, if you let it become part of your, this is very funny. What I'm about to say in my head is funny as I'm saying it right now. If you let this business become part of your life, you're mm-hmm. fucked. Mm. There's definitely has to be a separation between the Tom two. Holland. You let him tell it; he can't stand the business. He doesn't like being famous. He doesn't like the business. He don't, you know, he wants to stay with, when he's not in it or playing Spider-Man or in front of a camera, he separates himself completely from it as far as he can. And Ben Affleck said the same thing. He goes, I love acting. I hate being famous. This business is, uh, it has, there has to be a separation. You cannot survive this if you became, if you become part of it. Yeah. Uh, Well, Listen, and here's another reason why I'm in cheery spirits about Indiana. For those of you yeah. who can see it on via YouTube, but for those of you who can't, I'm drinking water out of a White Castle cup. It's right down the street. It, we got White Castle, baby. Now, you know, the, the plan was me and Andy were going to go to uh, Elmo's that Friday. Got in town on Thursday, show Thursday. Friday, we were going to go to Elmo's. But then I had to do press Friday morning. And on the way to press, I saw the White Castle. I go, hey, Andy, uh, let's do Elmo's on Saturday. Because <laughs> as soon as I'm done with press, I'm going to White Castle's. Man, I got my motherfucking three bacon double cheeseburgers, my three chicken cheese sandwiches, my two fish sandwiches, some orange soda. I was good, baby. Dude, as horrible as that sounds to me, I would have been better off having that. Yes. Moral of the story, poison yourself. <laughs> Let your body build up some immunities. Yes. Um, funny thing I liked that was fun for me. We got to the hotel and we're checking in. And the uh, I said, and I always say, let's try to always be on the same floor because I got to either bring my chair to Andy's room 99.9% of the time or vice versa. So I don't want to be bringing a chair in the elevator. So we stay on the same floor. So we're checking in at the same time. I, I tell the chick, make sure we're on the same floor. And she goes, you guys do. And Andy goes, uh, we're jugglers. So that tickled me. And then a beat later, I go, and this was perfect comedy unison. It was like being on the fast break. You got it. I got it. You got it. Alley-oop dunk. Um, he goes, jugglers. And I took a beat and I went, yeah, we, uh, we juggle dildos. And she goes, what? And Andy goes, on fire. <laughs> and that's when I lost it. And the only thing I wish I could have said, because when he said that, I just started dying. But, but if I had took a beat, I, I should have went, yeah, uh, he's flame and I'm match. Like that's our that's our that's our juggling our team. juggling team. Flame and match as the what do we call it? The 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 dildo brothers, the yeah, juggling dildo brothers. brothers. The dildo brothers. Yeah. yeah. So we're the dildo brothers. He's flame and I'm match. Flaming dildos, nigga. And this girl's face, her mouth got open bigger and bigger every time we said <clears throat> Right. So. And finally, I just get, when you, it, when the Aries just start. I mean, he laughed so hard that he he had to leave the area. Right. And I just went, we're, we're comedians. She goes, yeah. oh, I should have. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the timing on it, from the boom to the boom to the boom, the back and forth, it felt like just some scene in a Judd Apatow movie. It fucking tickled the shit out of me. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It was fun. But uh, this hotel, too. Let me let me get into why this my Indianapolis view. And for the record, I like to stay at the La Meridian, which is right around the corner from the comedy club and literally next door to St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Where we're staying now is a 10-minute walk, and it is brick outside. 
and I'm not, listen, this is a nice hotel. I'm not going to knock the hotel. It's a nice hotel. But on these new hotels, they build them, and you can hear what's going on in the room next to you from the, uh, through the air vents. Have you, have you, can you hear? No. You can't? No. I can hear everybody next to me. I can really? hear everything everybody's saying. And also, I don't understand this. And maybe is this something in cold areas? I don't know. But when you get here, you go to the first floor. And from the first floor, you have to take an elevator up to the second Man, floor. Man, look at my lips. Mm. Are you, you that go happy ahead. with yourself? Man, it's sexy. Go ahead. <laughs> take an elevator to the second floor. On the second floor, you, then you can go check in. And then you have to take an elevator from there to your room. But every time we come here, we have to take an elevator or walk up this enormous flight of stairs just to get to the second floor so that we can take oh, yeah. the elevator to the third. I'm just, I, I, I'm just, I don't know why I'm over this place. I think I just need to recuperate. I need to yeah, go home I, recuperate. I think you need to, you know, do something to feel better. But we're going to be in uh, Dallas. Might as well say that. Hey, before I even say that, before I even go into Dallas, before I tell you everything, can you guys do me a favor since I'm in this mood anyway? Like and subscribe? Yeah, man. Just like and subscribe, man. Do us a favor. Jesus. And not asking a lot. God damn it. Reach over, like, subscribe. Hey, and do one other favor for me. Please. Tell someone about the podcast. Open your fucking mouth. Let them know. Tell it to them. I'm just tired, man. Go to bed. I'm about to become a juggler. Flaming dildos. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, then, so we stay in the hotel, and then because there is the game, uh, the game and the game, and then Aries show. Oh, God, game. Now they can't come get us, and it's cold as fuck outside, and we <laughs> have to walk over. And walking over isn't even that bad, but then we got to walk back, because, and when you walk back, they close up the area so that you have to walk all the way around like an extra block just to yeah. get back to the room. I did that on Thursday night, dude, and I'm telling you, I think it, it dropped down to 24 degrees. I have not felt that kind of cold since my mother aborted me. <laughs> no, nah, I just, yo, it was cold, man. My fucking fingers was locking up. They were starting to sting. I couldn't wait to get back to the fucking hotel. Yeah, that's, when, I don't know. It's, it, was, it was cold, and it's it snowed here one night. Uh, but it was gone during. It was done. All right, I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of talking shit about. No, nah, you weren't talking shit. Um, let's start with Dave Chappelle. Now, look, you know I love me some Dave Chappelle, baby, the greatest comic of this generation. Um, this did not do it for me. This did not do it for me. It was a slow burn. I, I don't. I know you're not going to remember, but you said something in the way of an analogy as oh. to what you thought this approach was that I thought was beautiful. I'm not going to remember it. See, God, I, from now on, when you say something that I like, I should write it down. I'm going to start recording what I because said I'm telling you, you the way you anal the, the way you analogized. I know that's not a word. Sound like Barkley. Let me tell you something. The way you analogized, the way you analogized this was perfect. It, 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 it's almost like, and this is not what you said, but I just I'm trying to just come up. It's almost like he, for lack of better words, I don't, eh, I don't want to say mailed it in, because no, he's too brilliant for mail in. But I don't know this. It, it ah. well, I watched it with someone else. I watched it with Tara, and Tara's not by any means going to critique comedy, but I can tell by her by when you watch someone who 
she's been around comedy a long time. She's knows she knows she's been fucked by comedy. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> In both a good and bad way. And so she knows what it is, you know, and I could tell from her uh by watching her if she's feeling it. Yeah. And so it was interesting to watch her too. And she really, she didn't get it. There's some things that I thought were absolutely brilliant in it, but it was it his best work. No, his best work hands down to me. My favorite Dave Chappelle special of all the nine that he's done. The nine is equanimity. That the one again, where he ends it with the uh, Emmett Till story. And he's got on the gray light denim jacket, that. And of course, uh, killing him softly, his very first one, or bar none. Do, 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 that's the one-two punch. Killing him softly to me, I, I, I still have the most fondness for that one. Yeah, the young Dave with the voice, the yeah. D, the, the, the young Dave voice. Yeah, there's something about that whole, that, that whole experience, that piece. Well, of Well, the young Dave voice also was there for what's it for what it's worth, and I don't think that was as strong as anywhere near. As Hollywood is, uh, uh, what did we just say? Uh, the first one. Uh, <laughs> you didn't say it to me. <laughs> oh shit. Um, we just said it. I know. I, my brain is farting right now. Mine's always having a problem, but today is even worse. Uh, uh, holy shit! This is I can't believe this. Hold on. We just said it. You guys already. Dave know. Chappelle's first comedy special. Killing him softly. Killing him softly. Took us. All right. So, yeah, for what it's worth, had the voice, but it, it wasn't as powerful to me as Killing Him Softly, but it ain't bad at no, all. But but also, remember, this is, that was Dave's first special, so everything that he did up until that point, that was all the best stuff he had from the beginning to that special, right. on the table, ready to go with every Davism that's possible in that special. Right. When you do your second one, now you you're getting... You get in the B parts because you right. you you put the A ones out on your first special. So now it's B parts and all the new stuff that's coming in. So um, you, you know your sophomore album isn't going to be the same. I don't think so. You know, again, and listen, man, make no mistake about it. The longer you do something, the more you do something, and everything ain't going to be potent. Jordan didn't have forty five a game every game. You know what I mean? Ali didn't win every fight beautifully. Uh, so. You know, that comes with greatness. You know, you can't be great all the time. And don't get me wrong, I liked it, but I, I, I just, you know, when I think about equanimity, when I think about killing them softly, when I think about uh, sticks and stones, uh, uh, bird's eye revelation, that's the one in the belly room. That to me was another where it was like... I like that one. Yeah, it, it, I liked it for different reasons in terms of what it was, the intimacy and, and him just talking to that small crowd. But, yeah, I, I put this one right next to almost Bird's Eye Revelation. It, it just didn't, ah, to me. He, he's really gone down the road of storytelling, and I have no problem with storytelling. And I think that's the, the evolution of comedy is, is storytelling. I mean, to get it to where you're watching something that, it's giving you more than just laughs. It's giving you some more meaning. When he gets to the one about um, the uh, safety deposit box, and then she looked in the safety deposit box, and then yeah. he, and all there was was these jokes, and then he says that, and she goes, 
they're great. You just it, you just have to read them exactly what's on the page. And she he does the joke, and then he goes, "No, but you got to gurgle, and you got to do the." Yeah, that and didn't do nothing. That, for me. that I, I do cracked nothing me for up. Me. It it because to me that was to me there's a hint in there about what comedy is. Just because Dave does it doesn't mean anyone else can do it. Though there's little pieces into comedy that only the person who had the inspiration to write it can do it. Uh, people can steal jokes. That happens. But only certain people can deliver certain jokes. And that's one of the great things about Dave. He has the ability to deliver his message in his way that other people I don't think can. And so that's one of the reasons that I appreciate him. And that's one of the reasons I appreciated that joke so much. But I, I did feel like out of everything that he's done lately, he, he, he you know, he took a, took a day off. Yeah. I, and again, that's almost the same as mailing it in. And I don't, I want to choose my words wisely because I don't think that it means that, but something close to that. Like, because to suggest he mailed it in or took a day off is to suggest he didn't care or, or he, you know, it, you know, and, and, I, and I know he's too good to not care. I, I just, I don't know. This didn't have, there wasn't the snap and the twist on the punch that, I, that all the other specials had. You know, when he told the thing at the end, and, and this might, again, I want to watch my words, but I don't want to say preachy, but the whole living in somebody else's dream thing, and he tells the story about the special and the mob and the, and the alley, and I just, I was like, okay, where's this going? And when it finally got to where it went, I was like, that's it? You know what I mean? I, I just But that's that's kind of what I'm saying more about like going, the storytelling. I, like I'm 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 gonna give you something. Like when he told the story about Emmett Till on Equanimity, the way he told that, and you know that story, we all know that story. Versus this story is his story. But we know the Emmett Till story. We know what race is in America. The way he told that and wrapped that up and put all that together, and of course ended with the and I kicked her in the pussy. I'd kick her in the pussy. This was beautiful. It feels like now people, it's like now we expect Dave to do that every time. And he feels like he's got to give us that every time. And it came off to me as this is an attempt to do that. And it just was, I didn't feel the deepness in that. No, I felt it was more of a storyteller's. Uh, way of doing it and when I say he took the day off this I don't have any problem saying that he took the day off because Dave on his day off is funnier than almost everyone else in the world yeah, yeah so yeah. when I say he took the day off I, I I don't feel bad about it because I know where it's coming from from me and right. it, that guy I, I I don't have any problem because of where he ranks and how I look at comedy yeah, he could take a day off, and he's still gonna, he's still beating everybody on the court. Yeah. So, okay. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. With saying it, because uh, uh, I'm saying it from what I feel and what his ability, where he is. I don't think that uh, when we look back and we rank them, and we all rank things. It doesn't have to be ranked, but we de generally do one through ten, one through whatever how many he's gonna have. That one isn't going to be on the top of the list. We can we can say that, but that's only because he gave us fucking genius. Yeah. So I, I like again, I don't feel bad about saying it. I don't feel it ranks up there with his best. He took the day off, but he's still better than most. So no problems. 
pimping, pimping man. Now, here's a whole other story. Now, listen, I know you don't feel great, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a break. I'm going to go on a rant here a little bit. No, okay, I like that. Um, you know, I, I and I posted this. Oh, and believe me, okay, I'm reloaded. And I, I saw the post. I am catching the heat, nigga. It was a good post, Aries. Now, and listen, I, I told you last night, my contemporaries, Chris Spencer, Guy Torrey, uh, he's not a comedian, but I respect him. Roland Martin, uh, my man DeAndre Whitfield, they all hit me up like fucking genius, brilliant. And part of the flack that I'm getting, I, 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 I can't help but believe, is the niggas that I'm criticizing. And they know that they, they, they them niggas. So they, here I go. I'm catching the heat. Um, you know, like I said in the post, uh, people wanted to know what we thought, what I thought. And I said, quite frankly, I think it's sad. I, I think it's sad that my, my people, who I love dearly, black people, uh, I love everybody, but, you know, my people come first. I think it's very sad that we love drama. We bathe in it. We stew in it. Um, so much so that we allow it to be detrimental to the growth and the moving of our culture uh, and us as a people. Um, because I just thought what he did was unnecessary. It was unnecessary and more importantly, pointless. You know, and I said in the comments, people are like, man, uh, he told the truth, protect him at all costs. He's the goat. And I said, you know, first of all, I'm starting to get tired of that word goat being used so frivolously. Because um, come on, man, goat stands for something. Greatest of all time. You can't have multiple greatest. Of all time. I know a lot of people say goat this, goat. There's only one goat. Ali is the goat in boxing. Richard Pryor is the goat in comedy. And you know, Andy, I'm not being fucking vain. You, you've been around. I get called goat all the time. All the time. And while it's flattering, that to me is a useless title. Uh, and I brought up the example of like Shaq, one of my favorite 30 for 30s, when he uh, did the one about Orlando Magic. And he goes, uh, him and Penny are reflecting. And he goes, you know, when you're 20 years old, you care about that, that matters to you. Whose team is it? That's a useless title. Like, when you're 20, that matters to you. But the goal is we're trying to win a championship. He goes, now in my older age, whose team is it? It don't matter. So, again, the GOAT thing, it's flattering, but Aunt Richard Pryor's the GOAT. That's a useless title. Secondly, I, I thought it was so ridiculous when these people are, Protect cat at all costs. And I asked the question, protect him for what? Did he cure cancer? Did he cure AIDS? Did he end racism? Did he solve black poverty? What are we protecting him for? Like, it's a fucking news cycle. Turn the fucking volume down. It's a fucking news cycle. And the thing about news cycles is they come and they go. You know, when me and Tiffany and the bullshit happened, that was the hot news cycle. Now, yeah, I get a couple of people still hit me up on Instagram. And I love when they do this dumb shit. Man, we ain't forgot. All right, remember, motherfucker. What is you not forgetting mean to me? I'm still getting paper. I'm still working. You not forgetting has stopped nothing. So it's like when people say shit they say, I'm going, it's a news cycle, people. When the next hot news cycle comes along, this will all be forgotten about. What did he change? What did he stop? Steve Harvey is still going to be Steve Harvey. Everybody he talked about, 
Cedric, Steve, Chris Tucker, Kevin Hart. I thought it was Wanda Sykes, but it was the lady from the radio. Wanda, whatever, Ludacris. Their lives go on. They still get in the bag. They still going to be famous. They still going to be successful. The people that support them through their concerts and movies are still going to do that. And they are the goats to their fan base. So what was the point of what he did? It was pointless. And I'm reading, you know, he told the truth. He exposed the Illuminati. He exposed the niggas wearing dresses and blah, 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 blah. Okay, but what did it stop? What did it change? And my whole thing was this. You know, uh, because we love that drama, everybody is reacting on social media like how we would react as kids on the playground in middle school or elementary school, and it was a rap battle or it was a joke roast. That is childlike drama. And I'm just simply saying, use your powers for the greater good. And before I get to that, let me say this. And I, and I love it because, again, I'm, I'm going through the phone and I saw a couple clips of dudes like, yeah, yo, like reporters, news reporters. Yeah, because of the Cat Williams shit. And, and again, this, this, this device, this evil device, which is a blessing and a curse, it's give, it gives everybody power. Everybody got a platform. Everybody could be heard. So everybody thinks there's somebody. Everybody thinks what they say matters. And it's like, pipe down. It doesn't. It doesn't. Stay in your fucking lane. What do you people think you're changing? Yeah. And because and now with the phone, with the edits and the graphics, and you could manipulate shit through editing. Yeah. Kevin Hart's fans are turning on him. Kevin was never funny. Kevin ain't funnier than Cat. You know? First of all, that's subjective. And to the people that say Kevin ain't funny, well, Kevin ain't as funny as Cat. You never liked Kevin anyway. But what's so ridiculous about these statements is the box office receipts, don't lie. The ticket gate receipts to the sold out arenas that Kevin can sell out stadiums all over the globe. This nigga's globally famous. He sells out stadiums, 80,000. So you mean to tell me you guy that works at Popeye's that's putting this video together, talking about his fans to turn them, you really think that's happening? Seriously? He ain't stopping Kevin's momentum. Well, so, so what was the point of that? You know, the one dude said, we must take back, stop worshiping these devil worshipers, the Illuminati. We must take our power back. What fucking power? You have no power. You work at Popeye's, nigga. You work at Chevron and you're making a video. What power do you have? You know what I mean? The powers that be, whoever that is, is going to make sure Kevin stays where he needs to be, not for no Illuminati and not for this ghost shit y'all like to create because the nigga generates money, period. Now, lastly, this was my last point. I'm simply saying for a cat to be as influential as he could or as I can or anybody that's famous, anybody that's got a platform, why not use your mouthpiece and that energy for the greater good? Why not have us benefit us? You know, while we sitting over here paying attention to the drama, the high school drama, this Cat Williams, Taraji P. Henson, all over social media, in tears, complaining about the same thing that, Andrew, that Alfred Woodard has complained about, 
Angela Bassett has complained about, Viola Davis has complained about, I forget my girl's name, fat chick in the movie to help, beautiful black actress, I wish I could remember her name. But our black women in the, in the, in the entertainment game, Monique too, um, are underpaid, undervalued. They don't make as much as their white female counterparts. So while we bickering or while we enjoying the bullshit that's Cat Williams, this dumbass news cycle, why don't we come together and figure out how do we take our destiny in our hands? How do we create our own? And I, I said, yeah, we got Tyler Perry, but that's all we got. Why not come together and form like Voltron and make it so that our black actresses can get paid what they're supposed to get paid because we create our own empire, our own Hollywood. We amass our own fortune. And then funnel that money back into the communities, the ghettos, the streets, so that we can one day return to the days of Tulsa, Oklahoma, before the murder and the massacre, and be well-to-do and thrive and dress to the nines. Wouldn't that be a better usage of our energy and our spirit and our mouthpiece instead of this bullshit? And, and again, I know there are people that have said and will say, well, Aries, about you, yo? You, you've been on social media talking shit, and I have. And I said, uh, regretfully so, at times. And there are certain things I've said that I may not regret. But the bottom line is, growth. I got to grow up. I'm tired of being a 45-year-old, 15-year-old. Got to grow up. So it's about growth. And this is the last thing I'm going to say. I, this, this, again, proves what I'm talking about when I say we love drama. So many of the comments, man, y'all don't want that smoke. Cat got you niggas doing press conferences, which I thought was kind of funny. Y'all don't want that smoke, you know? Cat uh, so, cat will destroy you niggas. That's your mindset? That's where you at? Thinking we, we don't want smoke? We are all professional comedians, which means we are all professional shit talkers, okay? We all come from the same streets, the streets of poverty, the streets of hunger, the streets of struggle, whether you from Detroit, East Coast, West Coast, down South, Midwest. If you are in this game trying to come up, we all about that life. And in order for you to overcome those struggles and those obstacles, you got to have heart. Ain't nobody scared of Kathy Williams. Knock it the fuck off. I'm simply saying, let's come together and use our powers to try to do something positive. Let us benefit us. Mic drop. I'm done. Well, I got a couple, though. Can I ask? Oh, please. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but he did say, you know, I, from the beginning on time, I'm here <laughs> to, to, to tell the truth. He was, I'm going to expose everything. I've, I, that's what I've done my whole, I'm exposing the truth. And he, then he brought up it, talking about uh, things that he has said in the past. One, some, is that his responsibility? Are you, you know, I, I didn't know that that would, I didn't, I never saw this and I, I can be wrong. So let me, let me ask. Was Cat Williams at one point the truth talker of the uh, of the culture? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. One more time, say that again. Was Cat Williams the truth talker of the culture? Because he's well, talking uh, about well, exposing what? As, as, as comedians, we all know that comedy's tied to what? Truth. My question becomes: Did it move the needle in a positive way? Did it move the needle? What did it do? But cause everybody to now go, let's go on the internet, and they're doing it. Let's dig up old footage of Cedric and where he got the joke or 
uh, Mark Curry talking about how he don't like Steve Harvey because he took his shit. And uh, people, have, I saw where, you know, of course, and I, 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 we've delved into this and I'm going to delve into it a little bit more. Again, I'm, people are showing me the footage of, I said, yeah, Dave Chappelle wore dressing men in tights. I, they, I forgot about another clip where he wore a dress with earrings. Now people are digging that up. So it's just, how is this moving the needle in a positive way? Uh, I, when we could do that. Well, the other thing I didn't understand. And I'm sorry, keep that. Yeah. Especially when I'm going, it don't change nothing. Go ahead. But why Why was the big exposure on Steve Harvey, the fact that he used to wear a wig? I mean, a two, you mean a hairpiece? Yeah, a yeah, a toupee, a hairpiece. I, I mean, so, so what? And him sitting there with Shannon Sharp, talking about, uh, uh, you had said you're going looking like a walrus who couldn't raise his arms. And, and again, this is the reactions from people are, well, they may have said something about him first. So if we're going to play that game, you did it. So now I got to do it back. Nah, 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 nah. You see this? This is childish shit. How do we grow? Isn't a bigger, better thing to do to go, you know what, man? Fuck all that. They're rich. I'm rich. Let's figure out how we could really be rich and make our communities rich. I, what, why? I, I would love to see Cat Williams and Kevin Hart in a fucking movie together. How great would that be? They're both great scene stealers. Yeah. Why not concentrate on that? See, and, and I'm I, honestly, it's for Kevin Hart. I think he's a genius comic. I am not. It's not my. You know, you've said this before. How you get tickled? What tickles you? He don't tickle me comedically. Stand up like that. I think he's funny as hell, but he doesn't do it for me like Patrice and Dave. But movies? Oh, Kevin's a beast. But I know he's funny. Like, right. I know he's funny. Right. You know, like you said, the receipts speak for themselves. Right. So I know that he it works. I, and I would never, like, I would never disrespect him. I, I wouldn't disrespect Cat, though, either. I, the Cat has a lot of specials. I've seen most of them, and I enjoyed most of them. It it just there there was some payback that needed that he wanted to have to to throw out there. I don't understand now. If someone is stealing your material, I think you have every right to to uh, get on a soapbox and say someone so and so stole my material. But he did that, and then it was it was supposedly over, and now you're going to bring it back. Listen, I can understand on the come up because, like I said, when you're coming up, you might go, man, this could be the joke to change my life. So, yeah, you fighting for your shit like it's your babies. All right, but once you're rich and once you're famous and respected and adored and you're the guy, you care about that still that much? Now, I know there's some that will say, yeah, you should. And maybe, I don't know. But I'm just going, once you reach a, a certain level of success, let's fight a new fight. that one that's more important than a joke. I can understand when you're coming up because this might be the joke that gives you what you want, what you need, get you out the ghetto, buy your mama a house, take care of your kids, put food on the table. I get it. But once you've accomplished all that, really, really. And they've already went through this on that joke. And not only that, and, 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 and here's the thing. I, I'm starting to notice too. Black people, we don't like to be held accountable. And when you, and when you black and you hold other black people accountable, that's almost like you become a leper. How dare you hold us accountable? And, and here's what, what Kevin was right about. And again, I, you know, listen, are there secret parties and 
shit that go on in Hollywood where freaky shit go on and casting couches. I'm sure. But I think to a certain extent, this boogeyman theory, Illuminati, boogeyman, everybody for you to get ahead, you got to suck they dick. I think that's a little stretched. I'm not saying it's complete hogwash, but I think it's a little stretched because I love this clip with Kevin Hart on The Breakfast Club. Cat Williams comes from, you keep pointing at Hollywood. Hollywood this, the white man, this, this, and this. When do you take responsibility for your actions? You had the shot. Cat was in that position at one you point. Were you were the guy. Yeah. You were set up to be the star. You didn't show up to work. You fucked off promo shoots. You fucked off your promo fucking uh, trips that they had set up for you. You became a risk to the studios, which is why the studios stopped fucking with you. Why was he a risk? He chose drugs. Oh, okay. Take responsibility for what you chose and say, you know what? I got to fix me. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to stand up for comedy. Mm -hmm. So when you say Tiffany Haddish doesn't deserve or isn't really a comedian, and these other women have worked hard, which they have. Mm -hmm. Shouts out to Melanie Camacho. Shouts out to Lou Nell. Uh Shouts out to Leslie Jones, who are all underneath the umbrella of Cat Williams. Cat Williams, have you ever used your platform to fucking bring the people that were under you up? Mm -hmm. You haven't. So because you haven't, don't shit on those that now are. I've used my platform, and I've brought my guys and girls up. Mm-hmm. The brand of Kevin Hart is a brand that's expanded so far, whether you like me or not. My presence of comedy will forever be felt, because mm. I'm a fucking boss. And if you go sit up here and tell me, Cat ain't never done drugs? Have you seen all the mugshots, the arrests, the, when he showed up to shows late, if at all? Fighting a 14-year-old kid? Come on, y'all. At what point do we take accountability? He was a big 14-year-old. I don't give a fuck, man. (laughs) Shit. Cat's a big grown man. Grown little man. So come on, man. I need to protect him at all costs. Come on, man. Turn the fucking volume down. It's a news cycle. And and I'm going to tell you something. That's why I'm saying... You can say that Illuminati shit all day. Kevin Hart makes people rich. So the powers that be, you think they're going to stop that train because a nigga from Popeye's make a video? Come on, B. And, 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 and yes, at one point in time, Cat was the dude. He was blowing up. Yeah. But he, like, he chose drugs. Take accountability, goddammit, and knock it off. Well, Cat denies that. Of course. What is he going to admit it? I've never done a drug in my life. Nigga, please. Nigga, please. And it's like, dude, uh, yeah, the studios, when you become unreliable, they have to take insurance out on you. If you known for wilding out, getting in fights, getting arrested, doing drugs, they have to take insurance policies out on you. So that if you fuck up, they don't lose their investment, which is millions of dollars. Come on, man. Yeah. And listen, Cat, one of the funniest motherfuckers in the game. But that's my opinion. Straighten up. Like your perm, nigga. Straighten up. Fuck out of here, yo. But yeah, I'm catching it. I'm catching it, dude. My feed, a lot of motherfuckers, you know, nigga, you, you, you just mad he didn't talk about you. He did mention me. He called me one of his enemies. Uh, but, you know, yeah, nigga, you... you you just mad because he told the truth. He's standing on his truth. 
I'm telling you, man, a lot of, lot of checkers players out there, not enough chess players. You saw the uh, guy Tori's response where he put up uh, the video of Cedric at the... You sent that to, to, to me, but what was it? I didn't, I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, he put up, you know, when they were doing the uh, Chocolate Sundays. Yeah. And then they showed it at the, the comedy store, and he and then Kat was on saying, Cedric's never been to the comedy store, uh, and uh, it, it, whatever it was, however right. he was showing it. And then, you know, guy put out all the pictures and a little bit of video that shows them all at the comedy store, one time with Kat. Right. So... You know, I think some of this has to go back a little bit to this. And, and, and I, I'm, I don't know how far off base I'm about what I'm going to say is, but this is it. We remember our history the way we want to remember it. He, this is the way Kat has remembered it, that it, he wasn't at the comedy store with these guys. Right. That this never happened. And in his head, he's solid because you would not go on a national show, talk the shit that you talked, and not believe that, that there's that this never happened. He believes that it never took place at the comedy store. That those guys never were at the comedy store. And there, there's a there, in the video it shows a big scene with uh, when they're all standing there together at, at the comedy store. I'm not gonna say the dude's name, and I'm not even gonna say the details. But one of my one of my uh, constituents who hit me up and said, "Yo, fucking brilliant, yo." I talked to him last night about it. He said, man, all I'm going to say is this. He said, man, I got receipts on that nigga. If you knew half shit that Kat has done that contradict that interview, I got receipts on that nigga. Again, I'm not going to say the details of the name, but that's what I'm saying, man. Y'all want to hold people on a pedestal and protect them at all costs. Let's protect people that really move the needle for the betterment of us. I'd love for us to get our own Oscars so we don't have to wait for them to give us our flowers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, then you can protect the culture. Uh, the people are not the culture. It's 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 an assembly of the people that are doing the things to make the culture better. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I shouldn't even speak on it. It's 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 up to it's up to it's not uh, my place other than as a comedian. And as a comedian, I felt that he was going someplace that I didn't know where he was going to end up at. I don't think I don't know if he knew where he was going to end up at it, and it also showed a little bit. And this is going to sound shitty now too. Um, what's his name? Who was interviewing him? I can't even remember. Shannon Sharp. Yeah, Shannon Sharp. <clears throat> it shows Shannon Sharp's a football player <laughs> and not an interviewer. Yeah, because he didn't call him out on anything. He just let him run right. without kind of least going. Uh, you know, let, uh, just just for instance, just, accountability. Yeah, just to go. So you're telling me. Out of all the time that Cedric's in uh, Hollywood, he's never been to the comedy store. And I know I'm staying in the comedy store, but that's yeah. just the easy one to do. He's never been there because I've been to the comedy store. You know, uh, not me personally. I mean, I could see Shannon Sharp going, yeah. I've been to the comedy store. I've been there when they had uh, all different kinds of comedy nights. And I, can, I, I just I don't understand how he didn't bring up anything, nothing. He didn't add to it. He almost let him drown in that water without throwing him one life preserver. Right. So, and, 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 and I think that he does a lot of, I, I, I listen, nothing against Shannon Sharp. That's not against him. But I think in, in an interview like this, where I think the interview could help guide something in a different way, right. he, he wasn't able to do that. Listen, um, I know Cedric. Matter of fact, Cedric is also, he does voiceover on Proud Family too. I, I, last time I bumped into him, 
I was finishing my session. I, as I was walking out of the studio, he was walking in. And he uh, said, hey, man, I got this book thing I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. I want you to do a voice, blah, blah, blah. We exchanged numbers. But listen, somebody showed the clip where he does that joke in, in one of the specials, Bob Initials. Yeah. The dude said, call me Bob Initials. And he goes, that nigga name is CJ. And what he was saying was, call me by my initials. They dug up the clip. That joke came from designing women. It literally verbatim. The guy's going by my initials. He goes, why? That person's name is so-and-so. He said, call him by my initials. Look like a duck, quack like a duck. And I'm, I, I'm telling you, on one of his specials, I remember Cedric, on one of his specials, had a live band behind him. I used to be at the Comedy Act Theater. I did this at the Comedy Act Theater. They used to have a live band on comedy nights. I did a James Brown impression. Talking about James coming home and the band is in there and the house is messy. And I forget the joke exactly, but I used the band. Man, come on to one, two, one, two, three, bam, 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 bam. And the band started playing and I'm clean up the house. Wow. And he did that joke on his special. Now, I never approached Cedric. I never said nothing to him. I'm not going, I'm whatever, man. I'm not going about to beef with this nigga. Okay, whatever. I'll take it as a flattering thing. Well, listen, if it was, it's kind of funny that you said it was on Designing Women. Sometimes people hear things and they don't know where, I, I know in your head, maybe. Parallel you, thinking. Or maybe you heard that, <laughs> maybe you heard that 10 years earlier and then all of a sudden you're thinking about it and you, you put it together. You might not even have realized that you saw it on a right. TV show. I mean, I'm making excuses, but I don't know. So sometimes people should should be told, "Hey, that was on Designing Women." Then someone could go, "Oh shit," you know. Uh, I'm sorry, my name recall is even worse today than ever. Um, Mark and Mark for Mark, Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Robin, no, 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 no. Robin Williams was known to work extemporaneously, just out of the blue, pull whatever right. he heard. Robin paid a lot of people, like. They said, hey, man, I said that. And he'd go, okay, sorry. And he'd write him a check if he if he took money out of their pocket. Right. Because he felt bad about it. But that, that does happen where people are working and they're coming up with things and they didn't realize that they were influenced by something or something else got said. I'm not giving a pass on it. I mean, I've had things that have disappeared from me. Uh, but I'm not going to say that someone took it from me either. But it happens. This is what it is. Other people have... Have you ever heard the story that Jonathan Witherspoon approached Eddie Murphy for stealing some shit and Eddie put him in a movie to make up for it? Yeah. It happens. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. It's not. Right. But shit happens. We're all out there trying to get these little slivers of, of words to work the right way. And sometimes you hear something and you twist and you put... Not that it's right. That's not what I'm saying. But... The conversation should be had in a professional way, not in a. It could. It, it should be. It should be tried professionally first. Let's just put it that way. And and you know, again, because of the drama that we love to be in, you know, I saw the Epstein list, and Chris Tucker was on it, and Cat uh, goes, uh, yeah, something about if we did another Friday, we'd have to get the old Chris Tucker, not this Epstein Tucker. And, and again, it's amazing what people want to run with, with childlike mentality. Yes. And you said it. Rich people hang out with rich people. That doesn't mean that Chris was automatically into deviant acts 
or some of them other names that was on. Sarah Silverman was on there, David Spade, Patton Oswalt, you know, uh, a bunch of famous people. So you automatically assume that everybody on that list did deviant shit. Rich people hang out with rich people, man. Some people just want to ride on a fucking plane. No, listen, honestly. Hang out on an island and eat the best food and chill. Do you know why rich people hang out with rich people? Because poor people don't know how to act when they get around rich people. They don't do poor people shit. There you go. And rich people and poor people can't afford to go do rich people shit. They have to pay for poor people to do rich people shit. When you're rich, you don't have to pay for your neighbor who's rich to do the same shit with you. I'm just being real honest with it. I have friends that in my lifetime who've made it. I mean, made it, made millions and millions of dollars. Do I hang out with them? No. Do I still like them? Do I still think they're friendly? Yes. But I can't go do the same shit that they do without them paying for me. And guess what? I don't want them to pay for me. So this is what it is. If you can have a, if you have access to billionaires, billionaires hang out with billionaires. And then they say, hey, so-and-so is going to be there. You want to come over? So-and-so is going to be there. They know so-and-so. This is, this is part of it. I'm not... You know, it's like when two famous people who've never met but are famous enough that they know each other's work, when they see each other, they act like they're best friends. Oh, shit, hey, how you... Bow, bow, chop, pop, pop. Now, the famous person that is sees an average Joe a regular guy that's not famous. Guess what? When a lot of those regular Joes go to that famous person, they act like dicks. They, they, they look down on them. They thumb their nose up at them. And why? Because you're not on my level. I'm not saying that's right. Because, you know, I'm all against that type of behavior. Matter of fact, uh, after the show last night, I went and hung out at the Irish pub across the street. And uh, some people that were at our show were, saw me, was excited. Oh, my God, let us buy you a drink. Da, 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 da. And the guy tells me, yeah, dude, we were eating at St. Elmo's the other night and fucking uh, Troy Aikman and some other uh, famous football uh, announcer guy was in there. And uh, he remembered uh, Troy Aikman saying something in an interview about loving raviolis. So the guy ordered some special made raviolis off the menu and gave it to them. Like, like, t- like here, drink on me. He said, and, 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 the, and, the, and the server told him, yo, these raviolis are from this guy over here. He said when they finished eating the raviolis and were on their way out, didn't even say thank you. They, they looked at him, didn't even acknowledge him, just walked right past him. So, you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm like, when you go, rich people hang out with, yeah. By association, whether it's money that links us, whether it's fame, whether it's the, we in the same game, yeah, man. People hang out with the people they know that are like them and on their level. That doesn't mean that they do what they do. But that's what we do now. Oh, it's on social media, so it must be true. Oh, put your fucking finger at the bad guy. That doesn't mean that some of those people on that list weren't good people. I, I don't doubt it. No, I'm just saying because I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm not I don't doubt it, it. I'm not giving everybody a pass. I'm just saying. But we, we can't we, convict everybody but either. either. That's the most important thing. Don't convict them because their their names on a manifest. Right. I mean, if you had the opportunity to go fly on a private jet to go to your whatever your destination is, you're not getting on the private jet. And listen, it it, it ain't like the Epstein shit hit. And they were still going. This was before all that hit. So come on, man. 
That, that if if the Epstein shit was popping the way it popped off to to the point where nigga arrest attention, every celebrity would have to fire their publicist because their publicist would go, "This ain't a good PR move." The heat these motherfuckers have got on them, don't go to the island. Stay as far away from this as you can. Sponsors, money, corporations. No, 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 no. So this all popped off beforehand. It's like when a motherfucker's a serial killer and got 18 bodies in his freezer. Prior to knowing that, oh, what did the neighbors say? Oh, the nicest guy. Yeah, so quiet. So you would have never expected that. From yeah. You, a woman don't know a domestic abuser is a domestic abuser until he slap her. Prior to that, he's, she's, he's the love of her life. The most beautiful man she's ever met. Then he puts his, fi- his fist to her face, and now all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, now you got a monster. But prior to that, you didn't know he was a monster. So come on, man. What the, what the, where the fuck is rationale and common sense? And I'm going to end it on this, because I really want to touch this last thing. And I've spoken on this before. Look, man, black people, please, perspective, two words. Balance and perspective. When you go, oh, this thing about black men in dresses. First of all, it's an old comedy staple. It's just an old comedy go-to. It's always been. But when you look at all our leading black men in the acting game, to name a few, Denzel, Ving Rhames, Don Cheadle, Sam Jackson, Wesley Snipes, Morgan Freeman, Anthony Mackie, uh, and t- anybody else, Michael B. Jordan. For, and, and, and when I go, it's an old comedy staple. The guys who have all worn dresses, comedians. The guys who haven't worn dresses aren't comedians. But even when you take the comedians out of the dresses and talk about all their other roles in conjunction with the dramatic actors, there have been far more images of black men depicted in positive uh, light where we're not in dresses. We've played everything from cops to lawyers to judges to presidents to politicians to superheroes to loving fathers, loving husbands. We've done far more roles out of a dress that have not been demeaning in any way than there are in dresses. And again, that's for comedy's sake. So the scales of balance lean way more towards not dresses, than dresses. And because all those other roles that I just named by those great black actors where black men have a reason to stick their chest out, put their chin up, and be proud of the images that that we have been portrayed as, all right, you can have a little bit of that for comedic purposes. You can have that. If it was just nothing but black men in dresses, well, that's a different conversation. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, why, why do it's been... They've done it too. I mean... <laughs> so it's not a target to... We're going to target black men to demean them. And they've also done it for white, uh, white dudes in sitcoms. Tom Hanks and that other dude... Were Bosom buddies. That was, that was Tom Hanks. Jamie Farr in MASH for the whole season. Robin where, Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. And then... Uh, Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie. Yes. So, I mean, it's not... It's like, a comedy gag. It's a, yeah, it is a gag. And 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 furthermore, um, God, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh yeah, and 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 to all the black people that keep saying that, stop lying. So you mean to tell me 
that if Eddie Murphy got back in the stand-up and came to your city and your town because he's worn a dress and the movies you've loved, Norbit, fucking The Nutty Professor, you ain't going to go see Eddie. You ain't supporting his movies. He's not the icon that we know him to be. Martin Lawrence, The Martin Show, was a fucking staple in the black community. That was our Seinfeld. Shanene, Mama Payne, uh, the Big Mama franchise. Martin's legacy is dipped. Your respect for him is waned. You're not going to go see him perform live. Same thing can be said for Marlon and Sean Wayans. Same thing can be said for uh, uh, Jamie Foxx, a triple threat actor, singer, uh, comedian, Oscar winner. You ain't going to go see Jamie perform live. You're not supporting his movies. You're fucking lying. Richard Pryor, the greatest comedian of all, of all time, dressed as a maid in the toy. His legacy is tarnished? Really? Flip Wilson, when he had the show, the Flip Wilson show back in the 70s, back then, blacks were hardly on TV, which is why he was groundbreaking. A black man with his own show and created an iconic character in Geraldine. His legacy is tarnished? Black people, perspective, balance. We got far more roles of us not in dresses and being depicted as uplifting, positive characters in terms of imagery than we do the opposite. So it's okay to have the opposite when the, when the other side is so heavily favored. I've said my piece. I think I'm good that I was not feeling good today. Yeah, it's almost like you had to carry... I was Jordan. You had to carry me through the... No, you had because you you had this was this was you this was uh, this was about things you needed to say and I needed to take a seat over here on the side a little bit so I appreciate it. You know uh, what we gonna call this one? What? So fresh and so clean. So fresh. So clean. Uh, you want some dates? Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We are at Helium in Indianapolis right now. So uh, let's see. By the time you hear us again, you're going to be listening to this. We're going to be at the Addison Improv. That's Dallas, Texas, guys. Uh, that's going to be January 11th through the 14th. January 18th to the 21st, we're at Magoobie's Joke House in Timodium, Maryland. Uh, February 8th through the 10th, we're going to be at the Mesquite Street Pizza Southside in Corpus Christi. God damn, that was a mouthful. That was. I didn't even know if I could get that out. Mesquite Street Pizza Southside, Corpus Christi, Texas. We're first time out there. Uh, I, they better have pizza. I'm excited about that one. February 15th through the 18th, Helium Comedy Club in Buffalo, New York. February 23rd through the 24th, we're going to be at the Funny Bone in Albany, New York. March 15th to the 16th, we're going to be at Cincinnati Funny Bone in Liberty Township, Ohio. And March 22nd to the 23rd, Funny Bone, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And wrapping up this uh, this little uh, update here, March 29th to the 31st will be the Funny Bone in Columbus, Ohio. Canada, oh, Canada. River Cree Resort and Casino in Enoch, Alberta, Canada. Thursday, April 11th. Friday, April 12th. Gray Eagle Event Center, uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Monday, April 15th, the Danforth Music Hall, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Saturday, April 27th, at the Bronson Center Theater, Ottawa, Canada. And Sunday, April 28th, uh, El Olympia, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. 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 
Oh, you've been asking, folks? It's here. One night, me and Andy, the Hulu Theater, Madison Square Garden, New York City. Your boy is at Madison Square Garden. It's only a 5,000-seater, but I need y'all to show y'all's New York ass and come to this fucking show uh, and support your boy at the Garden. Uh, yeah, man, uh, I need y'all to put your dicks on the table, pull your titties out, put your pussies on the table. Let's get semen and that juice everywhere. Did you give him the date, actual date? Oh, May 18th. May 18th. Hulu Theater, Madison Square Garden, kid. Show me some love, y'all. I think that's it. Yeah. I'm nervous. I am too. From New York, some fifth made it. She stayed it. Now she got a bust out, baby. Got a bust route. That's a show. That's a show. Nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. A nickel bag gets sold in the park. I want in. <laughs> you guys got fat while everybody stopped on the street. It's my turn. Hmm. You think you're going to live long enough to spend that money, you fucking hump? getting ripped off by guys like that. You come with me, I'm at the Plaza Hotel. You're welcome. You're all welcome! Enjoy! Oh.